Since technology never goes backwards, how can nonprofit organizations maximize the new opportunities for digital fundraising? Hi, I'm Bill Stanjakovich. This is the first day from the fundraising school, and I'm joined today by Guy Fisher and Andrea Ledbetter of Goodwill Industries of Michiana, located in the northern region of the state of Indiana. Their region also covers southern Michigan and even parts of northeastern Illinois. Guy leads community engagement for Goodwill Industries of Michiana, and Andrea Ledbetter is on the community engagement team. And if you've been listening to this podcast closely, you've heard us talk often about the new opportunities and the new awareness around digital fundraising and digital revenue generation that have been brought on by the pandemic. And even when, if and when the pandemic finally comes to a close, those digital opportunities are still going to be there. And Goodwill Industries of Michiana is on the leading edge in so many ways. And Guy and Andrea, thanks so much for being with us. The technique that we want to talk about today is geofencing. Guy, what is geofencing and how are you using that? Well, good morning, Bill. It's good to see you again. So our geofencing campaign began a few years ago in cooperation with our retail marketing team. And we started talking about what's the most effective platforms that we can utilize to spread the word of goodwill. Of course, most of us are familiar with print and some form of media, uh, whether it's television or radio broadcasting. But at the end of the day, we realized that we needed to be better stewards of our dollars. And so targeted marketing really became this conversation. And we, we leaned into the whole notion of geofencing, which in a sense is capturing folks who are walking into specific geographic locations and telling them the Goodwill story. Andrea, how does that work? What am I walking into? How are you capturing me? And what am I finding out about Goodwill as a result? Yeah, that was actually a very interesting conversation that we had internally with our team and then with our retail location as well. Um, Being Goodwill, we don't have many competitors, just nonprofits. Um, But we were thinking, where do our shoppers shop? Are they going to the Dollar General? Are they going to Aldi's? So we thought about all the locations that they might be entering. And then trial and error. We really just had to see what our numbers were. And we were really pleasantly surprised. And so, Guy, do you set this up yourself? Do you need a vendor to do this? How did you carry out this strategy? So we work with a few vendors across our our footprint. We have two um, media teams that work in in this space, one that kind of focuses on our St. Joe County, Elkhart County space, and then one that focuses over in the Lake County, northwest corner of the state. Um, Our Lake County team is also part of our bigger marketing team with our website and other rollout things that we're we're working on right now. So being able to have the same messaging going across between both of those teams was pretty important. And so do you geofence yourself? Do you need to hire a technology company to do this for you? What does this look like in terms of implementation? Yeah, so it's nothing that you or we would want to take on with our own resources. It's a pretty complicated process. But again, marketing um, teams around the country are this is the this is the wave of the future, Bill. The whole notion of spending money on doctor's office magazines that none of us read when we're in the doctor's office because uh, we're on our phones really is is going by the wayside. So we engage both of these teams that um, have moved into that same space. And again, our, we have been very pleased with the results. So Andrew, you mentioned, you know, a grocery store, you mentioned maybe some of the other places, of course, Goodwill known around the world for your consignment shops, your resale shops. Uh, and you're thinking, okay, who comes to the resale shop? Where else do they shop? How did you find out where else do they shop? How did you find that information? Did you just take a guess? 
or did you know something about your typical customer? So we do have informa information about the demographics that shop with us. Um, we know their their normal age ranges. We know that they like cats. We we have some really um, specific NASCAR. NASCAR. Yeah. We have some specific information. So th taking that information that we know, we are then able to really dive deep into you know what neighborhoods do they live in? Where are they shopping? And and so that's really how we chose the locations. And did, are some of the locations, maybe some of the other consignment shops that, that consumers use as they, you know, move their merchandise out of their homes? Yes. Yeah, so um, other consignment shops. Yes. I know we have um, done like the TJ Maxx's, the Marshall's, mm -hmm. um, just other places where shoppers will go to find a, a bargain deal with clothing. Mm -hmm. All right. So again, we're geofencing specific locations where we think the typical Goodwill resale shop customer might want to go. And of course, I'm thinking force field. I'm thinking, you know, Marvel, Avengers, Star Wars, uh, and, and we'll let the vendor help us figure out the technology. Guy, what happens then when I walk into one of these locations? How is Goodwill responding to me? What am I receiving from you now that I have arrived in one of these geofenced locations? So there's a couple different um responses that you can receive from us. There's static ads that we will run that will appear if you're searching YouTube or you're on social media accounts, a Goodwill ad will mysteriously show up. We all, we all get those kinds of things right along the way. The other one that we've leaned into though is our television advertising. And so while we still do advertise on local television stations, with the geofencing campaign, it has allowed us to target market uh, specific age ranges, age ranges uh, we looked at leaning into right now, 18 year olds to 49 year olds. So we are looking at those that are entering into adulthood and shopping and doing all that, as well as those who are at 49, kind of making that next step of transition. I know, Bill, that's you and me, but um, we're making that transition, right? And so as we move into that space, we want to get those folks who who are moving in and are going to start spending dollars, recognizing our mission. And then those that are moving into more of the donation side, again, recognizing the, the good work that we do at Goodwill with their donations. So our television campaigns really have leaned into things like Sling TV and Philo Television, more of those um, online services. Yeah, because yeah, that's where that demographic is residing. Yes, Andrea. Yeah, I was just going to say, and what a lot of people don't realize is all of the information about us, what we search, how old we are, our gender, it's all stored on our phone. So whenever you walk in anywhere, our companies that we're working with, they're actually getting all that information mm -hmm. about us as consumers. So that's how we are able to figure out the age range that we want to be targeting. And that's why you turn on Sling TV and you get a commercial and you're like, oh, that really did impact me. Well, it wasn't random. We found you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So Andrew, so the Sling TV and the, the all the other cordless television networks, I get that part. Let's think about the phone and the tablet. How many ads are you sending me? Uh, are you sending them to me for just one day? Is it for a week? What's the time period? And then what's the content? Is it the donate now button? Is it please shop at Goodwill? So again, how often am I receiving these messages and what are those messages? So the average um, span of an ad that we run is about six months. Um, now we have mission budget for advertising. We have retail budget for advertising. Our Excel centers have a budget for advertising. So really depending on your demographic, you could be getting a lot of different messaging from us. Um, again, like we talked about, we do have the static ads and 
for retail, it does go to the, the donate and shop link to our website if they were to, to click. For Excel Center, it goes to our enrollment page. For mission, we really just send you to the homepage for our website, because if you clicked it because you were interested in mission, you're going to get all the programs that we have here at Goodwill. So Guy, as you lead community engagement, and of course you have multi-channel strategies, this is not the only strategy that you utilize, but now that you've been doing this for a few years, can you quantify or at least in some way describe what difference this is making, whether it's more traffic at your stores, which are a big part of the Goodwill you know, business model, of course, or even with new donors or fundraising, what impact is this having for your organization? So our, our biggest work, as you know, Bill, is the stores. That's, that's where the lion's share of our resource financially is generated. And we have seen an uptick in our sales over the last six to eight months. And it's been kind of amazing because it's just like we're coming out of COVID and we're having one of our best years ever from the store side of the, of the conversation. I think the biggest thing is, and this is anecdotal though, I can now walk into our 16 counties in our community and I don't get this, the pat answer of, oh, well, you're just a thrift store. People know what, what Goodwill really is all about behind the scenes. Now, trust me, we still have a lot of work to get done in that area. But uh, as Andrea was sharing, this, the six-month campaign that we ran in, 20, uh, in 2020 with geofencing, we had over 20,000 individual uh, folks watch through our videos. I mean, that's, a, that's an amazing statistic. So we were able to capture 20,000 individuals in a uh, six-county span up here that we ran the geofencing campaign through that dove deeper with goodwill. And you just don't get that when you're running a billboard or you're uh, even direct mailing is a hard place to get people to pay attention. But if you have good content um, that you can tell a great story, people remember that. And uh, it does have an impact then on the backside of the rest of the Goodwill story. And Goodwill, of course, is large, historical, been around a long time, uh, located all over the world. But Andrea, I'm also thinking even smaller and medium sized nonprofits can benefit from this technology, perhaps even more so if they're a one woman shop, a one person shop, that the technology is going to work for them, if I'm understanding you correctly, by really trying to identify who's most likely to be interested in my organization. It sounds like all nonprofits of different sizes can benefit from this technology. Would you agree? Absolutely. Um, the biggest hurdle that they would they would encounter is the price tag. Mm -hmm. um, this is new. It is up and coming. Um, and like most new things, it, it can be pricey, but we can attest that it is well worth the investment mm -hmm. and it's worth exploring it because then you can kind of take out some of the outdated advertising and fundraising techniques that you might currently be doing and invest in one that you're really going to see a great return from. Well, we really appreciate both of you telling this remarkable story. And again, at the fundraising school, we emphasize the techniques of fundraising, uh, whether it's annual fund, major gifts, comprehensive campaigns, planned giving, and some of those techniques are timeless. But then we always need to think about adapting to the current realities. And of course, digital fundraising is just that. It's not just enough to have the website and the Facebook page anymore. As you've heard on these podcasts before, and we will continue to explore with our new certificate in digital fundraising, we need to take deeper dives. Certainly not to minimize uh, the unique strength of meeting donors in person. That in-person ask is still the most influential way to receive a gift. What we're trying to do is increase awareness and engagement so that we can have more of those in-person meetings at even deeper levels to enhance all of our revenue generation and, of course, 
including our fundraising. Information about our public courses uh, is available on our website at philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. You'll find information about our custom training uh, as well as these free podcasts. They're all archived waiting there for you to learn from, use with your staff, use with your board of directors. We also have quarterly webinars. Again, the information on our website, philanthropy.iupui.edu forward slash the fundraising school. Guide Fisher and Andrea Ledbetter are with Community Engagement of Goodwill Industries of Michiana. Our producers today are Jennifer Boffman and Mike Anthony. For the fundraising school, I'm Bill Stanjakevich, and now you are now more fully informed on this first day from the fundraising school. Thank you.